0: Can you hear me okay? Is it too loud? Is it okay? Would you join with me in a word of prayer? All right. Father, we thank You for Your presence. God, we thank You that You give us the the invitation, the privilege, and the honor of approaching Your throne, the Holy of Holies, Through worship and praise, as Your Word declares, we we enter into Your gates with thanksgiving and into Your courts with praise. And Lord Jesus, that You promise that whenever we gather together in Your name, that You would be there in the midst of us. And so we believe that You are here, present uh, in our midst, and we honor Your presence, and we welcome the influence of Your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Help me communicate Your Word in a way that brings life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, Graham, could you grab me the whiteboard, one of you? <laughs> Last week I began uh, uh, talking about preparing our hearts for Christmas and kind of compared the preparation of uh, uh, that we make in the natural for Christmas to issues of, uh, relating to our heart. Turn it down a little bit, please. Uh, issues relating to our heart and preparing for receiving the Christ. <clears throat> And uh, I want to continue on that theme, but uh, this being the Sunday before Christmas, it's really not just about preparing for Christ to come, but actually receiving Christ or the arrival of Christ. We're going to look at six different uh, things that were present when Christ was birth and kind of look at them as uh, spiritual representations of things that need to be in our life uh, in order for us, to receive Jesus Christ or receive the power of the uh, uh, indwelling Messiah in our lives. So all of the things that we're going to look at. So it's it's going to be a little different than a typical Christmas message in that I'm not just going to tell the story and talk about the uh, relevance of the story, but I'm going to zoom in. Everybody say, zoom in. in. All right. Kind of like clicking on something and it zooms in. (laughs) Um, Okay. I'm going to zoom in on uh, several aspects uh, that are in the big story, the story of Jesus' arrival uh, over uh, approximately 2,000 years ago, but then look at them and how they apply <clears throat> to the birth of Christ in our hearts. And I, I love the scripture that Carrie uh, shared during the worship time, first John Uh, 5.4 about that we're born of God. And and there is a birth that happens when you come into relationship with Jesus Christ that uh, Christ is born in our hearts, in a sense. He comes to dwell within us. Um, Christmas, uh, if you're a believer, uh, is not just a a once-a-year celebration. It's what we're called to live out daily. Right? Okay, we're daily called. To, to, to live out uh, as Christians, those who live in Christ. Christ being birthed or born. And when I wrote the word Christ born in our hearts, I, I thought of the word the way that the word can also mean to carry. You bear something. Uh, um, and so Christ needs to be carried in our hearts every day. Alright, so there's going to be six, six things identified Uh at the arrival of Christ, we're just going to jump through the story. And the first is um, is is that Scripture is re- realized. And I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. If, if you're familiar with the, I don't have time to read the whole uh, story of the Nativity, but I'm just going to pull out a few passages. Mark chapter one verse twenty-two, or not Mark, Matthew one twenty-two. So so, so all this was done uh, that it might be spoken. <clears throat> that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord to the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. And so this was at the conclusion of a big portion of the narrative of Jesus' birth. And he says, All of this was done uh, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the prophet. In other words, everything that happened in that Christmas story that everybody is familiar with, was the fulfillment of Scripture. Y'all know what Scripture means? God's Word? Bible? Anybody need a cup of coffee? <laughs> Carrie says yes. <laughs> Okay, Scripture is the inspired Word of God given through the prophets over centuries, all right? Uh, And when Jesus was born, the Scripture was recognized, all of what we call the Old Testament, was recognized as authoritative words from God. Not people's opinions. There was another whole book, uh, actually a number of books that were commentaries that were considered uh, authoritative but not equal to the Scripture's. Okay, and today we have the Bible, which includes the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, which are written words that are authoritative. We say these are not just good teachings; these are inspired, uh, prophetic words given by the Word of God. And so, all of that, all of the stuff that happened with Jesus uh, coming and the, and Mary conceiving a child and and uh, going to Bethlehem, and all the stuff that happened was so that Scripture would be fulfilled. Let me just read a couple other uh, Old Testament Scriptures. In Matthew, really, uh, it, it, that's the theme of the introduction of Matthew, is how Christ's life fulfills Old Testament Scripture. Um, uh, Matthew 2, 5, and 6 says, So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, uh, for thus it is written, uh, um, uh, the, the Herod had asked, uh, Uh, some of the teachers, where the Christ would be born. And they said, "...in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." So hundreds of years before Jesus was born, there was a prophecy that the Messiah would be born in this little town called Bethlehem. And in uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 14, it says, um, this is talking later in the story when, when, when Joseph was warned to flee uh, uh, the um, persecution by Herod. Uh, it says, When he arose, Joseph, he took the young child, Jesus, and his mother, Mary, by night and departed for Egypt and there and was there until the death of Herod, that it, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. And so there was another... Uh, prophetic word fulfilled in the life of Christ. And in fact, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of specific prophetic words, Scripture in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the life and the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, And um, really, the whole of the Old Testament is the introduction to the person of Jesus Christ, and on every page, is uh, I forget how it's worded. It's almost I think it's a poem, but really, on every page, you can f- in the Old Testament you can find a picture or a reference of Jesus Christ. Because the purpose of the Old Testament was to prepare for His coming, and so Scripture being realized either in general terms or in very specific. I mean, being born in a town called Bethlehem is pretty specific, isn't it? Yeah right named the town that he was going to be born in uh, and some are more general but all of them were uh everything that happened was the realization of scripture and i like the word realization better than fulfillment um you know it's it's when scripture it becomes real all right it's, it, it's, it enters into, it goes from a historical document to something that's actually experienced and lived out. And so Scripture realized um, is, it, it, it was <laughs> uh, integral in the literal birth of the Messiah, um, in his literal incarnation 2,000 years ago. Likewise, Scripture being realized in our life is more than just important. It's indispensable to having Christ come alive and influencing our lives today. Did I make the point? Seth says I made the point. Anybody else agree? Got it. All right. So Scripture has to be realized. Scripture has to be realized in your life in order for Christ, in order for the Messiah to to reign in order for you to experience Christ in your life. Second um, thing that needs to be uh, experienced, or second uh, thing that we see in the story is a supernatural experience. I've only had one time that someone came in off the street during the week to ask me what i meant by the words that were on the sign this is a year or two ago i put up supernatural church you know because we flow in the supernatural i believe in the supernatural all right and he walks in older guy says what what do you mean supernatural how can you be a church and be supernatural (laughs) and i'm like how can you be a church and not be supernatural (laughs) (laughs) I said, uh, supernatural just means you have the natural world and then super, which is above or beyond what is natural. So anything, any miracle, and as soon as I said miracle, he said, oh, like miracles. You mean like God doing stuff? Yeah. (laughs) He thought I meant like aliens. Really? Really? Like extraterrestrial, what are you? What are you waiting for a spacecraft to come or something? <laughs> it was. It was. I, I had to do everything to stop. I hope he's not, if you're here today, I'm sorry, but it cracked me up. We actually ended up having a good long discussion about what is supernatural, and he agreed with me. He says, "Yeah, we, I believe in that supernatural church. That's great." So, <laughs> Joseph, Ma- Matthew one twenty, it says, "But while he thought about these things." This is when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant and they hadn't been together. And so he's thinking uh, something bad happened. And, and he was like, what's he going to do? He was going to just end the engagement and move on. But while well, he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Okay, so an angel, real angel, from God, in a dream, said something to Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's a supernatural experience. Would you agree? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Mary, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named, uh, uh, named Nazareth <clears throat> to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice! Okay, that great and awesome announcement of the the birth of Jesus Christ. The shepherds, we know the story of the shepherds out in the field and an angel appeared to them and then, and then a whole host of angels. You know how many a host means? A host? Huh? A hundred? Hundreds? I don't know. Graham? A lot. The scholar says a lot. All right. Who's a mathematician? It means a whole bunch of them. The heaven. there's like all of a sudden there was one angel. Then all of a sudden there was a host of angels singing, you know, glory to God on high and peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Like, wow, that that was a supernatural experience right zacharias went in to serve in, in the in the temple and an angel appeared to him and, and uh said that his, his wife would conceive and this had to do with john uh the, the the birth of john the baptist who preceded jesus and so he had a supernatural experience in fact just about everybody if you read the gospel stories the, the narrative the story of Jesus' coming had super encounters with god or with angels with visions with dreams in some way there was a supernatural encounter all right <clears throat> and so the 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 direct word of god whether it be through a dream a vision an angel god speaking to your spirit in some way there needs to be some kind of encounter with a real god because christianity is not about a uh, a series of moral uh, precepts that we live by and therefore have a better life Okay, that's a religion, all right. Christianity is not about a series of rituals that we have to fulfill so that our conscience feels better, all right. That's religion. Christianity is about encountering a living God, okay, the Creator of the universe, the one through whom uh, your very uh, the atoms and the molecules of your body uh, uh, are held together. That's what Christianity is. And so, in order to encounter a God of that magnitude, there ought to be some level of supernatural experience. Amen? Amen. All right. Was it true, consistent with the story of the narrative of the coming of Christ? Yes? Okay. So it ought to be true of Christ coming into your life. When you experience Christ, the, the story here is how what it looks like when Jesus shows up. And one of those things is supernatural experience. Maybe you've had supernatural experiences. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, or if you haven't had any or very many, take this as a promise. They're available. All right. God wants you to experience Him in a tangible way. Let's see. Um, Biblically consistent, Personal spiritual experience, biblically consistent. In other words, it's consistent with the Scripture revealed. Personal, in other words, it happened to you. Spiritual experience is an essential aspect of seeing Christ birthed in our lives. It was integral, an integral aspect to everyone related to Christ's literal birth. Likewise, it's an indispensable aspect of having Christ alive and influencing our lives today. Everybody agree with that? Say amen. Okay, third thing is submission or obedience. Hey, isn't that cool? <coughs> That's what happens when I get my notes done in time. <laughs> I can send it to them and they can get it up there. All right, submission. Submission. Mary said, this is in Luke chapter 138, when the angel told her what was going to happen, you know, this is the famous uh, response, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. In other words, I'm just your servant, Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She submitted. Let it be to me according to your word. Zacharias questioned Gabriel, and as a result... Yeah. He says, "So you, 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 you talking back to me, you ain't going to talk till the baby comes." And you know what Zachariah said? No. <laughs> Nothing <clears throat> for a while. Knowing God's written word and even hearing God's spoken uh, word directly into our lives is meaningless everybody say meaningless. Yeah, if we do not respond with submission and obedience. So you can have Scripture realized in a supernatural experience, but if you don't submit to it, you're not going to benefit from it. In fact, you may suffer because of it if you're disobedient or unsubmissive. What if Mary had refused to say, let it be according to me? Let it be to me according to your word. Things would be different. Things would be different for Mary. God's purposes would still be fulfilled. (laughs) Or if Joseph had been disobedient to the angelic warnings. Oh, it was just a dream. Must have been that pita bread I had last night. (laughs) Couldn't think of any Jewish food. (laughs) Uh Yeah. What if the shepherds had disregarded the announcement of Christ's birth? Like, wow, that was cool! Okay, let's roast some marshmallows. Lacking submission and obedience will result in you personally missing out on an important fulfillment of Christ in your life. You will miss out if you're not submissive and obedient to the Scripture and to the experience. It also... May, may mean that others will miss out on what God intended for them. If you don't obey, if you don't live out what God's called you to, it will have consequences in the lives of others. And they be, may be significant consequences. It may even change the course of human history, as it would have if Mary or Joseph or some of the key characters, you know, God is not a respecter of persons. We read the Bible and say, oh, that, that was an important person. He was a prophet. He was an evangelist. But you know what? You're an important person. And God has a world to reach through you. Alright? And your submission to God's Word and God's spoken Word into your life is just as important before God and in your life as the experiences of the people that we, the lives we read about in the Scripture. All right, fourth thing: solemn worship. What's solemn mean? Hmm? Anybody want to take a guess? Serious, serious reverent, heartfelt, holy. Okay, solemn. The the wise men. Uh, Came and asked Herod, and it's interesting that the first people that worshiped Jesus were Gentiles. Isn't that great? I love that. They came from a distant land. I mean, Jesus' birth was a mission. All right? People came from another country to to worship Jesus because they saw this sign in the heavens. And they said, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. Supernatural experience. In the East and have come to worship Him, Mary sings out in worship, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. so the response of Mary at the at the conception of of Jesus or even the announcement that what was what she was called to was was responded with worship, solemn worship. Elizabeth burst into worship when she when when Mary came to visit and John who was in her womb actually leapt for joy because Jesus who had been who was who was conceived in Mary had come into their presence zacharias after john was born uh the first thing he did when god loosed his tongue after john was born was to begin he says immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising god all right and so worship solemn worship is an expression and so to have christ it's just it's really almost it should be an automatic response Right? And I want you to notice that none of those none of those expressions of worship that I just quoted from the gospel story, from the narrative of Christmas, happened in an organized Christian meeting. <laughs> they didn't wait for the worship leader, eh? <clears throat> All right. Now we're going to see. Now we're going to sing hymn number 477 and do everything in order, right? They burst forth in in worship wherever they were they just started singing because that's what real worship is and we do worship here just to help us get into the flow and this isn't authentic this is a you know bible teaches us to do this kind of worship but worship should be something that flows out of us because christ is in us amen all right number five saving faith you like how they all start with us I blew it last week, man. People were picking on me the whole week. (laughs) They were coming up telling me what I could have, words I could have used instead. For those of you who weren't here, I had one point that didn't match, so. Saving faith, number five. Zacharias was chastised and struck mute because he doubted Gabriel's word. Says uh, Gabriel, the angel of God, told Zacharias. He says, "Behold, this is in Luke one twenty. You will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which um, will be fulfilled in their own time." And Elizabeth proclaimed uh, <clears throat> concerning Mary in Luke chapter one verse forty five, "Blessed is she who believed." All right. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told. Uh, her from the Lord. Saving faith. Now, what is saving faith? This is, this is what I think it means. It means a belief that is so real, it changes who you are. It's a something you believe so deeply that it alters who you are. That's what saving faith is. It's not intellectual assent to information. It's not even just an experience that happened to you. It's something that you believe that actually transforms your character, your nature, your identity. And there needs to be uh, saving faith. There needs to be a belief in the person of Christ, uh, just as there was demonstrated in in the Gospel stories. It was integral to everyone who experienced Christ's literal birth, The wise men actually had to believe something specific was happening, something real was happening in order to journey to a foreign country just to worship this king. They believed it enough to do something about it. All right. Likewise, it's indispensable, it's an indispensable aspect to having Christ come alive and influence and be the Messiah in our lives today. You need this in your heart. Last thing this one may surprise you, I don't know. A satanic attack. An attack of the enemy. Doesn't surprise you? because we've been around. <laughs> In the Gospel narrative, it's, it's, he, the, the enemy is depicted by Herod. Later, when Jesus becomes an adult and enters into ministry, I mean, the devil himself appears to Jesus and tempts him, leads him out into the desert all the way through. Enemy is 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 trying to set up Jesus to fail. But even at the birth, Herod, this is Matthew 2.7, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared because he was plotting to kill this king. Deception! was involved says he sent them to bethlehem herod did sent the wise men to bethlehem after he found out where they were to carefully search for the young child and he told them when you found him come back and tell me uh, so that i can come and worship him too but he didn't want to worship him he was deceiving them he wanted to know where that child was so he could kill it kill him and the result was death Matthew 2.16 Then Herod, when he saw that, that he was deceived by the wise men... By the way, he wasn't deceived by the wise men. He was found out by the wise men. He was the deceiver. He was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all the districts from two years old and under, according to the time which had been determined by the wise men. The Bible says that the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. The enemy being active and present was an essential... Spe- uh, in in, I still can't say it. Exactly. <laughs> it was part of the literal coming of Jesus and the Christmas story. Likewise, the enemy and deception and the very real threat of death is part of Christ being birthed in our lives. All right? Christianity is not a game. It's not a sporting event. It's real. There's real enemies and real threats. There's also real promises and real allies. You need to make sure you're on the right side. So in the midst of all of these things, we read the part of the narrative, Luke 2, 7-14. It says, She brought forth, Mary brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid them in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. In the midst of Scripture being realized and supernatural experience, in the midst of people submitting and obeying to the Word of the Lord, in the midst of solemn worship, saving faith, and a satanic attack, Christ was born. He lived... True to His calling, He fulfilled His purpose, and He reigns forevermore. Amen? Galatians 4.19, it says, My little children, this is Paul writing to Christians. And this applies to you. Says Paul "said that He labored in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Alright? And so Christ needs to be birthed in you, the Bible teaches. And that that, that figure of speech that Paul used literally is the, the picture of an embryo developing into a child in you. Christ formed in you. Uh, and uh, that that is the experience of coming into a mature faith. That as we live these things out in our lives, the Messiah, in, in whatever aspect of our lives that we need salvation, we need new birth, He's there. But we need to pay attention that all of these things are active in our lives. Amen? All right. We have Bill's going to come up and give some announcements. And then we have something special for Christmas. Give him a hand.
1: All right. Well, I know. it's good to see you all from this side. If we have any guests with us today, we just want to thank you for coming. We really appreciate that you're here. And to prove it, we have a gift for you back at the connection counter, which is directly in the back of the um, sanctuary. We'd love to have you pull off your connection card from your bulletin, take it back, and we've got a gift for you. It's great. I think it will make your belly happy. Um, (laughs) Really. Let me know later. (laughs) Also, I don't believe they're here at this time, but you might catch them between first and second service. The Borzmas are back. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't remember the Borzmas, your memory is short. No. Uh, Almost a year ago, they left to join the church planning team in South Carolina, New Day, South Carolina, uh, with the Joneses. We love them. They're part of our family, and they will be here. So check them out if you get a chance. Um, Also, coming up in January... Actually, coming up next week, first, we're going to celebrate 2009 and the year of giving, Yay. which has been awesome. Um, it's going to be really good. We're going to look back at that. And then in January, we're going to cover uh, New Day's core values. So if you're not quite sure what we're about, you also have a short memory. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's going to be really good. It's great to come back to that, even if you've heard it before, and just get back to the heart of what you know why we're here every week. Um, right. It's going to be really good so we'll do that in january and right now we're going to take an offering If offering come forward i would appreciate that uh will you join me in a word of prayer god thank you that you're so good lord um that you provided a way for us um to be restored to you to have communion with you by uh, sending your son to this earth to be born and to die and uh, to make a way for forgiveness of our sins, God. Um, and it's a part of our worship, God, that we give in this offering toward your work and toward what you're doing in Kalamazoo, uh, Japan, and all over the world, God. Yeah. This money is is spread across uh, many ministries and what you're doing, God. And we just pray you bless those ministries and multiply what we give toward that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Now, uh, <clears throat>